in a sense, life suffocates within limits that are too close. It aspires in manifold ways to an impossible growth. It releases a steady flow of excess resources, possibly involving large squanderings of energy. The limit of growth being reached, life, without being in a closed container, at least enters into ebullition. Without exploding, its extreme exuberance pours out in a movement always bordering on explosion. George Bataille, The Accursed Chair. Got me again. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, you are Bob. You are Bob. Bob. Yeah. I'm Bob? <laughs> you got that correct this time. Mm-hmm. This is Bob. Um, I'm Kevin. I'm Stuart. And, and I'm Kevin. There we go. No, no. We messed up again. Okay, one more time. Let's... We always do this. Mm-hmm. Oh, one on three. One, One, two, two three. three. I'm, Hello, I'm, I'm, I'm Stuart. I'm Stuart. All right. Way to go. We got that down. Uh, we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about this time. We are going to talk about um, one of our favorite movies um, called Minions 2015. Um, we have sort of been scratching the surface of it this time i think we might scratch a little bit deeper Um, finally yeah we're gonna scratch really deep yeah i'm excited about that right and uh we i guess we should we should mention many of you have probably been seeing ads for a new minions movie uh called minions the rise of Gru. Um, we don't have an official position yet about Minions, the Rise of Gru, whether it's canon or not. Um, we advise against watching it out of caution. Um, we don't want you to see something that, you know, might not be the best representation of Minions. That might be upsetting to some of you, and it might also maybe 
confuse some of you. So we want to watch it first and figure that out for you. Um, but good news is we are planning to host a live stream. Do you want to talk about that, Stuart or, or Bob? Yeah, uh, it's going to be an extravaganza, first of all. Yeah. That's all I have to say about it. Bob? Everyone is invited. So if you would like to see a live screening of Minions on June 30th, uh, we're going to have one um, at our house. So every everyone's invited. Every listener to the podcast is invited to come to our house June 30th. Bring a dish. This Thursday. So that's tomorrow. Um, yeah, bring whatever you want. Be a potluck. Um, anything yellow. Just bring anything yellow. And uh, it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And, and thank you guys for inviting me. To the potluck? Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, you're welcome. It'll be fun. We're excited. Yes, extremely excited. And, and a potluck... Um, is a great transition to our topic for today because we're going to be top, talking a lot about um, the tradition of the potluck or pot potlatch um, from which potlucks derive. And um, is that true? I wonder. I think it's yeah, definitely true. Yeah. So we hope that you think about that. Um, as you plan what dish to bring, try to bring something really as extravagant as possible and waste as many resources as possible in, in the production of the dish that you bring to our to our extravaganza. To the glory of the minions. Yeah, it's a sacrifice to the glory of the minions. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later, but um, what's our minute for today? Minute 77. All right, 77. Maybe 78. I can't remember which one we said. But um, numbers yeah. don't matter. They, uh, no, not to us. No. What matters is the thing itself. And we have something to talk about. We have a minute to talk about. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, without further ado, minute 77 or 78 of Minions 2015. Just like superficially, that was just very contained. Yeah, you could definitely see that it was. It's it's a standalone 
in a way, which I guess part of the topic of today, um, but it has a beginning and end. Um, and since it, the focus is mostly you, Stuart, um, maybe you can start us off. Yeah, it was a, this was a very Stuart-focused minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you like to describe what we, what we saw? Yeah, uh, I played a badass guitar solo for the queen, and then I smashed my guitar. Yeah, that's, ba- that's basically it. <laughs> that's the that's the summary in in, in one one sentence. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, we gotta we gotta give some context. So sorry, <laughs> I'm really good at guitar, and apparently not so good at summaries. Uh, the 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 queen is is doling out gifts as a response to the minions' heroism and in restoring her crown to her, and she gives first gives Stuart a fake gift of a snow globe, and then is like, "Psych, this is, this was a joke," and then Stuart's. Uh, disappointed, but then he's not disappointed anymore because it was a joke. And then she it was gave, a good prank. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was they were they were messing apparently. And then Stuart, then they give him a, a guitar, and he says super mega ukulele, and he starts playing, and his playing gets more and more frenetic. And uh, we get a lot of shots of the audience too during that time, and um, we see a bunch of minions having fun listening to it, and we see these kind of long-haired troll like hippie kind of people uh doing head bobs and then uh and then we see these kind of fan women who seem like middle-aged who are all freaking out about the guitar solo and then a cop comes in and uh seems also to be kind of swooning over Stuart. and then finally the 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 Music kind of rises to this fever pitch, and Stuart destroys the guitar, and then um, and then he takes the snow globe, and that's sort of the punchline of the minute, I guess. Yeah, thank you. I mean, like, I think I was just so totally absorbed in my uh, guitar solo that it was like a some kind of trance state, and so I did not remember it in that amount of detail. So I, I'm glad you were there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anytime. Fill it, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I just, you know, spent spent countless hours with this minute, so. Yeah, it was, for me it was all a blur. And then I, sm- I smashed the guitar. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because um, the, well, it's interesting for a couple reasons, but the, the first one is that I guess... There's, there was a couple of things Stuart did that seemed pretty erotic, actually. I was thinking about the the erotic yeah, behaviors of Stuart, which who we've already seen a couple times has done some you know, sexy stuff. Like, Stuart is the most libidinal minion. Um, but in this, there were... He, he licks the guitar a few times, plays it with his tongue, and then also starts kind of shaking his ass at Kevin or Bob and rubbing it up against the kind of like reverse grinding uh, Bob and then uh, but also something about the playing itself seems to have this kind of sexual effect on the uh, 
on the crowd or the audience. Even a cop is sort of swayed by it. So I don't know. That was just something to notice. I don't know if it made it, either of you have any sexual feelings to watch this. Just <laughs> I just thought maybe we should talk about that because that's I'm trying to you know be in touch with my body as I'm as I'm watching this. Um, yeah, I've got my Oshkosh Magoshna wives, I'll tell you. That's what I thought. I thought that was some, <laughs> I thought I saw some, some heat over there. Yeah, um, I mean, enough said, I mean, we, we already know that Stuart has that effect on, on people, um, and, uh. Thank you, y'all are too it's, kind. It's, I, I think, I think what is most important to me is, is not just, like, what I took away, but, like, that you got such satisfaction out of how you were playing your ukulele. And it wasn't just like, it's, it's, you didn't really care about the crowd. And like, as, as um, Kevin was saying, like, like, yeah, the crowd was really into it. Like the whole kingdom was watching uh, us. And, but, and we were a king, but really you're always subject to your own ukulele. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's passion in itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was this carnate form? Yeah, and then, and then you destroyed your subject, which we'll talk about. I guess that yeah, that's an interesting framing. Uh, well, that's somewhat we've talked about other ones with like um, aggressive cuteness and like the the willing to destroy that which you love and value most, um, and that, that's kind of the material nature of humans is that you know they you have aggressive cuteness towards them where you want to like hug kill minions but minions um you know they do that to objects as well oh yeah that's part of their power big time yeah like cute aggression Mm -hmm. and then in reverse aggressive cuteness Mm -hmm. yin and yang Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh we definitely need to talk about that in a lot of detail oh yeah well we we have more episodes to that um don't worry villains I uh, think should we should we talk about the gift giving cuz yeah like so the queen is doling out these gifts um and uh you know makes it made me think a little bit about gifts and you know giving gifts receiving gifts um I was wondering if either of you you know it reminded you of any gifts you'd given or received any any fun memories about about that uh one time the queen gave me a super mega ukulele and i played a really bad a, a badass blistering guitar solo if i do say so myself and i impressed the whole crowd including a cop <laughs> that's probably the best gift that i've ever received personally thank you for that moving story um for me it was uh the gift of being your guest today <laughs> on this Wednesday on your podcast. Uh, that was, that's the greatest gift I can imagine just to spend time with you guys. Uh, what about, what about you, Kevin? I don't really know how I could follow either of those <laughs> really meaningful stories. <laughs> trying to trying my I'm racking my brain with something I don't know um, you know 
sometimes um, sometimes the best gifts are are unplanned. You know, um, one time I no cats on the podcast. I told you that. Get out of here. Sorry about that, everyone. We took care of that issue. Um, won't happen again. Yeah, um, one time I I surprised a friend by mailing him a small vial of a famous author's saliva that I collected. Um, yeah, that's a, maybe that's a story for another time. So, so was that a gift you received or one that you've given? The no, gift that I, you... I gave it. But... It was the best gift you've ever received to have the opportunity of giving that gift. Like, the gift was... Is that so, what you're saying? Are no, you I, saying no, I was you, just thinking about a gift. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about it in that detail. Wait, no, are, I think are, it, are you <laughs> saying that that getting a gift is kind of brings enjoyment onto itself? That doesn't really make sense to me. Hmm. I don't see how that plays in. Okay, right. maybe this is time to talk about something. All right, so that brings me to a text that I read for the podcast called The Gift by Marcel Mauss, which is a classic anthropological study of gift exchange in various cultures, where he posits that kind of the basis of all economy seems to maybe be in the cyclical practice of gift-giving and the obligation to return the gift. So, in that sense, to give a gift to another, at least when things are functioning properly in, in your society, the way that that's a gift to yourself also is in the continuing expectation of, you could say, solidarity or just economic association. So like in the culture's mouse study, um, gifts were given functionally as a way to kind of unite the economic affairs of various groups, clans or tribes, maybe. Right. So, so like uh, giving someone a gift kind of builds a kind of political or social connection with them. Yes, because when you've first given the gift, then uh, the other party or the other group feels an obligation to return it, ideally with some interest, just to show that they definitely paid it back in full and are at good standing again. And then, especially if the, the gift is returned with interest, like the festival that the next clan uh, throws is even bigger than it throws a challenge back at the first group again so that it becomes like a, a cycle. It keeps repeating. So 
yeah, this is the way that groups kind of unified their economic exchanges through the expectation of uh, uh, like a cycle of gifts back and forth. And uh, potlatch, which we mentioned before, is one of the extreme expressions of this where um, basically like a huge party would be thrown where the chief or the, the group that's throwing the party would try to basically aggressively give to the point where mm, they were, it was, it was even beyond the utility of the economy at that point, maybe. Bataille said in the accursed share that at the point where the gift gets so big or the potlatch gets so wild that, uh, that it couldn't reasonably be expected to return in proportion, then the what's at stake changes from like continuing economic exchange into some kind of different category of like rank, some kind of abstract thing that isn't exactly material anymore. It's sort of, it's sort of like a spiritual thing uh, where, you know, basically you just get the satisfaction of being the best gift giver. You get to feel like uh, unassailably powerful in your kind of uh, generosity. Right. Yeah, that seems that seems really important for understanding this minute thing. But I mean, also, it sounds like your gift, the author's saliva, was one of those moments of yeah, where you must have felt really high ranking in relation to your friend there, right? <laughs> like, how was your friend going to follow that? That's true. Right? I really hadn't thought about that before, but you're so you're so right. Yeah. I, so I think I established. Yeah, thank you. Establish myself there. I, I think what's happening there is is the escalation is it's not just in like monetary value. Yeah, it's it's in the escalation of like something that's unattainable or rare or unique that the next person then has to talk. So even mm -hmm. though there's no monetary value to saliva, um, it well it depends <laughs> depends. Saliva. But it, it offers, it's like the, the escalation of it. Um, so like what, if you were your friend um, yeah. and you received some famous author's saliva, um, what, would you, what could you even possibly do to escalate that? Right. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately. And it kind of makes you, yeah. it does make you the king. I mean, yeah. you can't top that. Right. It, I, I feel like this is one of those moments where you, you really regret not living in a culture like Mouse describes, where there are these kind of rigid bounds of expectation for gift giving. Because, yeah, I mean, within a place with that kind of tradition, maybe I would have gotten a gift that was even crazier in response. But maybe because we live in in a in a culture with no real rules around gift giving, maybe that was just seen as this kind of really random. Thing. I, I, I can't help but imagine you maybe in in a culture with clear, if tacit rules for gift exchange, maybe your friend would have returned saliva with blood. <laughs> you could have maybe impelled your friend to sacrifice your favorite author <laughs> on your behalf. Yeah. I, and I'm sorry that that didn't happen. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I think it's also a result of like a power move that your friend did not return the gift. Mm. Uh, it kind of like symbolizes that you you're the dominant one in the relationship. Um, if we think in like context of uh, Minions 2015, um, this is after the queen has been ousted yeah. and has returned to power, and the queen is giving the gifts to the minions, and that's her trying to reassort her authority both in the eyes of the minion and the eyes of the court and the people that she's now has the ability to give gifts, give gifts like the ukulele, which are so powerful and are destroyed um, that the minions can't even handle like it. That's too powerful for them. And like that's kind of her showing off her power, and it's a power move for her I have uh, a, to solidify. I have kind of an opposite reading of it, actually. Oh, really? That, yeah. I mean, I think you're right to, to bring our attention right back to this minute, because we need to think about, yeah, like, is this, um, is this an equal exchange? Because uh -huh. the minions gave her her kingdom, which is, it seems, infinitely valuable, um, back. And she responds with, a snow globe and a guitar, which seems, you know, ridiculously tiny in proportion to the gift of a kingdom. So it almost seems like if we're talking about hierarchy, she's actually elevating the minions to this sort of I, hyperbolic it, level of power. I, I don't know if that's true, because, I mean, Stuart, you'll have to correct me, but I feel like it was a very sincere gift to give. Stuart the ukulele because that is the thing that Stuart would value most mm. even more than a kingdom even mm. more than uh, being king or the king steward he valued the ukulele most and it was a very like intimate expression of the queen. I don't yeah. know if he felt that with Stuart yeah well that's a, I hadn't thought of it like that that she has some kind of power of knowing the minions very well like she knew my erotism right and she knew that the guitar was the most erotic gift that she could give me but i i would say that that, that guitar solo that i played Ooh. certainly felt like a gift back oh yes and not even only to the queen but to the whole crowd mm -hmm. and um in fact i was thinking in reading uh, about potlatch and especially in the bataille where he talks about mm, like general economy and uh, the just kind of natural problem of uh, dissipating excess wealth. I felt like, especially the moment when I smashed the guitar at the end, was just a really definitive, very, if I do say so myself, very powerful um, dissipation of all my highly excessive erotic wealth i mean yeah. in, in a way the act of destroying the car the the guitar and then taking the slope the snow globe diminishes the queen's previous gift yeah because now you're saying it you just gave me a snow globe i gave everyone a beautiful solo and you gave me just a snow globe Right. They're still indebted to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the minions are still in the in the upper yeah. standing. I think. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, I think that that will always be the case throughout all of all of history. Um, um, because maybe the 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 minions are we like infinitely giving? Are we like mm -hmm. if 
feels like that's part of our nature. It's just like pure aggressive gifting mm. to the villains. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the nature of being a minion is your, your existence is a gift. Um, it's kind of like the sun, right? Bataille talks about the, the solar anus. Um, the, Are we the solar anus? <laughs> this, this beautiful sort of cosmic anus from which all energy is just constantly given um, without excreted. any expectation of, of return. Excreted. Um, this big yellow force. Um, the minions also, I think, we're like golden showers onto the universe. Uh-huh. Yep. I feel like this might be a good time for a commercial break. Yeah, let's do it. Ah, uh, Wednesdays. I love another day of labor and toils as much as the next minute. I'm still so hung over. Oh, banana snops. Just close my eyes and nod off. Hey, back to work! Mung Mung! Yeah, my villain's been on my case twice this week. If only there was a better way sleep at work. Well, now there is. Introducing Goggly Eye Googles from the villains over at Alphabet. These trade patent goggly eyes look just like normal minion eyes and will trick any villain into thinking you're still awake. No more surprise wake-ups from your boss. Awake or asleep, you always look industrious and lucid. Googly-eyed goggles. (laughs) Googly-eyed goggles are made from 100% unshatterable tempura glass. They use a strong uh, uh, adhesive to affix to any Google glass. The bond is so strong, you'll never have to worry about them breaking or falling off while you slumber. And for a limited time, you can buy three goggly eyes for you and your Cyclops partner to share. Just in time for Valentine's Day. Catch some Z's, refresh your chi, and impress your boss. Join the millions of little minions who use goggly eye Googles every day. Okay, well, I think maybe we should talk a little bit more about the destruction of the guitar. Um, Because it seems... Okay, you talked a little bit about Bataille and and about this sort of exuberance, like in the quote that you read at the beginning. Um, So, yeah, I think that maybe we could talk a little bit more about how this illustrates... Bataille's ideas a little bit, you know, and kind of goes beyond this gift exchange idea into something maybe a little bit more um, about the minion's nature, this kind of exuberant 
side of the minions themselves, <coughs> right? Because um, <coughs> uh, Bob is having his <coughs> Bob will be back. Don't worry. Should we worry? Yeah, maybe we should. Okay, worry with us. Listeners. We're just worrying for a sec. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you're here to worry with us. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, he's he's still alive. I hear him out there coughing. He's still coughing. It's a good sign. <laughs> Okay, I think everything's fine. I'm done worrying. Are you? No. Alright, let's worry a little more. Mm. Okay, I haven't heard it popped in like 10 seconds now. He could be dead. Oh, I heard a cough. Okay, yeah, what was I? Was I saying something? Um, okay, I was I was talking about Stewart's guitar solo, right? Um, he is kind of getting more and more exuberant with the you know the energy he's releasing, I guess, through his through his solo. It's getting more and more. Frenetic. You all good? Bob's alive. Bob's okay. <laughs> Bob's alive. Um, he's getting more and more frenetic. The solo is increasing in, in pitch slowly and, and volume. Getting a little bit more and more unpredictable. Um, and And then it reaches a point where the expression that Bob or that Stuart wants exceeds the physical bounds of the guitar itself. Mm. And at that moment, the only course left for this energy that he needs to be sort of burn off in some way is just destruction. He needs to destroy this item. Um, And yeah. And so I guess then that brings up this whole, you know, it made us think a little bit about the destruction of guitars in rock music history, I guess, and what that that means. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Well, I thought of it as I guess I can see that it's the you'd say it's the physical capacities of the guitar that reached their max. But I thought of it also maybe as like musical syntax or like a music the, the capacities of the musical language at its at its maximum, you know, the, the, as you say, the guitar solo got more and more intense and badass. And then at a certain point, I guess as virtuosic as you might be or whatever, the music itself, like you say, can't contain the intensity of the expression that you need to put through your guitar. Um, so in any case, yeah, it's like, it's a physical limitation. You come up against it and like, you know, clearly the minions 
Well, you know, so this was in the 60s, right? This movie yeah. is set in the 60s. So clearly, the minions originated this practice, which we tend to ascribe to Jimi Hendrix, I think. So that's important. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Uh, I, so sorry, I, I missed the past couple minutes. I don't know if you guys touched on it, but... We were just worrying about you. Yeah. Um, but the I guess the the through line here is, is what we see happening to music is, is like the through line of minions. That's the... What minions do is they, they aid and they build power and they take it to its completeness before it's finally destroyed. Oh, yeah. And we're seeing yeah, that with music. We see that with the villains. We see that with everything that the minions touch. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was perfectly minion-like mm-hmm. of me, if I do say so myself. Agreed. Um, so so that, I think that idea can maybe, we, we can talk a little bit about Bataille more generally and this idea of the accursed share, right? Because I guess... In that way, minions are a kind of perfect illustration of, of Bataille's theoretical framework for just all of energy in the world and then also in the natural world and then also of like economics. Um, mm-hmm. He takes economy outside of just the human realm and kind of his term is general economy. It's so general that it doesn't even justify to humans. It's about the animals and plants. And right. Right. That and yeah. So this is this is from the book The Accursed Share, which we all, we also looked at, and and this idea of general economy. He talks about basically the the sort of tendency of life, I guess, and or energy as it moves through life um, to um, kind of go through these cycles of growth, proliferation, and then reach re, they re, reach limits at which the only possibilities are um well they reach limits basically at which there's an excess of energy that can no longer um be used for growth in the same way um for example like a field of grass um can only fill up with like a certain amount of grass um until it reaches sort of the limits of the field um imagine there's pavement around the field or something like that there's only a certain amount of grass that can be grown in that space. And once that limit is reached, there's this excess of energy that either is just destroyed or um, goes back into the system in a more complex or new way um, for a new kind of growth. Like, for example, um, uh, some kind of animal could come in and use the energy from the grass to create a new kind of life and a new kind of growth thereby um, that will then proliferate within the boundaries of that space and so on or destroyed the energy is just destroyed maybe through like the seeds of the grass just sort of like falling off onto the pavement or, or of course you know if it's just a field of grass there's no animals or anything if it's just static for a moment then there's a superfluity of the sun's energy at that point and really there's always that's kind of his reversal of the presumptions of classical economics where you know everybody including Marx started from a presumption of constitutive lack and he's saying no that the real permanent 
economic factor that's always that always needs to be dealt with is a is a a super abundance. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so um, the minions, <laughs> the minions, um, we can see kind of as Bob was saying, as this sort of perfect representation of of this kind of cyclical behavior. Right. They're they're sort of going through these cycles of just sort of a, they're the, the minions themselves are super abundant in this way. They're always sort of contributing to the growth of and success of a villain until the the sort of absolute limit of that villain as an organism is reached and then the minions somehow destroy the villain the, the, the villains are destroyed that was sort of the cycle that we saw at the very beginning in the origin story of the minions and we've seen it countless times already and it, I think what maybe seems like it's really special about the minions in particular compared to natural things is that Whereas, like he says, um, reaching the limits of growth results in some kind of boiling and always on the verge of explosion. Minions actually always fully explode. Mm. Exploding minions. Right. Yeah. And so, so minions, in a way, are kind of the least like classically economical creature right they they just exist totally outside of any kind of calculation of what's what's profitable or what's logical or or prudent they're just constantly just giving themselves in this so this excess that has no concern for its object or any kind of reciprocal relationship only for itself yeah its own sake yeah yeah like it's like um like pure joy yeah. yeah, I think part of the ability for minions to do that is the fact that they don't reproduce. Oh. They, they exist at like this constant force. Mm. Like you could imagine that like minions, if they gave and then reproduced and then there were more of them to give more, to get more, to get more, they eventually would implode upon themselves. But because they're this like consistent force mm-hmm. of giving, they themselves are never harmed. They've, they've kind of gone... Like they, they impose these cycles upon the villains, but they themselves remain the same. Mm. And it's because they're able to give like consistent givings, they themselves are never harmed by it. Yeah. Um, but Ty says that the, the in a certain in a certain on a certain level, the best, most successful life in terms of economy would just be photosynthetic microorganisms. Mm, yeah. Because and he uses the word cisiparity. Yeah. Like, right. you know, asexual reproduction. Um, and yeah. it's... It makes, that makes me think a little bit about Stuart's sexuality in this scene, too, as, as a kind of excess, right? Because minion sexuality is totally biologically useless for, for minions. But, and yet, through the sort of exuberance of life, which they possess, they just sort of exist in this sort of purely purposeless sexuality which uh which is kind of uh which is kind of yeah i don't know maybe there's something kind of queer about Stuart in that way or something yeah or just like pride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like i'm purely erotic 
Yeah. Pure, pure eroticism. Yeah. Without any... Yeah. Okay, so was that from Google? Is that... Uh, yeah, is Google our sponsor now? It's goggly-eyed Googles. It's, they put... So they goggles. put goggly eyes on your Googles. Google goggles? It's, yeah, it sounded like you were saying Google Glass a little bit there, which is a Google product. Well, it's it's on your the glass of your Google. Okay. They'll put the goggly eyes on there, so you look like your eyes are open. Yeah, I got that part. I got the okay. part about that. Are you, have you been in touch with Google? Is that what you... No, they, no, this is, my this is from... I'm just wondering how we can, act, how we can Google this, really. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. Know. I forgot to send the, the. I forgot to read this message. Yeah, you're supposed to Google goggle at Google's. Okay. So go to Google and goggle. <laughs> Google at Google's. And I'm sure you'll find it. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I, so you'll find it somewhere. All right. Yeah. Um, no, this is not. It, it's not Google sponsored. Um, it's it's uh, Alphabet. Mm. Um, the makers of Alphabet Soup. And they make goggles too. They they make Googles for your goggles. I see. Alphabet Googles. Yeah. For for alphabet for any goggles or just for alphabet brand goggles. Um. Yeah, that's actually something we should probably look into. Um. Before we publish this, I mean, I would hate for, I mean, to buy the wrong Googles for their goggles. You know, I'm sure. Goggles for the Googles. I'm a bit worried about the tempura glass. What you said that they, they have. It's it's 100 percent unshatterable. Yeah, but so you don't need. To worry I, it about seems it. like it's I not going to break or ever fall right. off. But stay on there firmly, completely covering. Are, are we still Googles. in the ad again? Is this the ad now? Because I feel like you're. Yeah. I've tried. <laughs> I yeah, I heard you say tempura glass, which made me think this glass is actually a food. Fried goggles. <laughs> no, it's. Tempura glass. Sorry, it's, fried Googles. It's not. It's not breakable. You can't break the tempura. It's because I see. So because this is a food company that's I'm, that's now making goggles. The sort of soup no, soup maker yeah. is now a goggle company. Now they're they're trying to make glass out of food. Glass out of fried shrimp. You can't break a fried shrimp. Is that what you're saying? It's hard to imagine breaking something that's fried. I don't know what, what you guys are talking about. Look, you should try them. Look, we just you just put them right. They're 100% opaque. So you just put them right on top of your Googles. Directly, you glue them directly to your Google. And it looks like you have goggles. Mm. Alphabet, if you're listening, you owe us so much money. Yeah, we are... Yeah, again, we never received any money from our last sponsor, um, Akash Bagash, and we did oh, a long what? ad. I don't Was know. I supposed to ask for that? Yeah. You're our, you're in charge of that, Bob. Wait, Bob, so you're just writing copy for these companies without having contacted them first? Or <laughs> well, no, no they... Certainly you didn't. Yeah, they just sent me stuff. I, I was supposed to ask for money? Oh. Yeah. So they're pulling, they're we, pulling. They they pulled this on us, I guess. 
So they wrote uh, this copy. Okay, just like last time, they definitely wrote this copy for us, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just making sure. Hmm. Yeah, at least I would like, you know, if they don't give us money, at, at least to try this product for free or... Oh, or it's, it's only fourteen ninety nine. So we can we can try it. It's fourteen ninety nine, or we can do installment payments of four payments of fourteen ninety nine over four months. Wait, it's the installment is four times as expensive. Well, yeah, <laughs> interest rates are going up. Yeah, so you get to do an installment. You pay nothing now, and for the next four months, you'll pay one thousand four hundred ninety nine dollars <laughs> per month. Oh, fourteen ninety nine. You mean? It's 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 almost fifteen hundred dollars for the tempura glass. Yeah, it's a steal, and you can buy a three pair for Valentine's Day. Wow! And that would fit both of you. I I should buy one for you guys because that would fit. I don't know about this. The two of you. I don't know about if this. If you ad. bought that such an expensive and fancy gift for us, how could we ever help to return it? That's true. Well, I, I guess you're just gonna have to try. If you'd like to squander some resources of your own on us, the humble hosts of this Minion Pod, you've got a gift idea there, I guess. Um, and then I guess you'll be much higher ranking than us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, nice I, I guess you could consider fun. this a gift that we are giving freely to all of you listeners. Um, and our sponsors. So we're giving them the gift of free sponsorship. Yeah. Well, hopefully not. I hope they pay us. And I hope that you villains know that you owe us for this podcast. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, I think we maybe got to the bottom of Minions. Did we get to... Did we... We got below the surface. Bob, do you want to add anything to that? So it's Maltus. I was thinking Maltin, but it's Maltus. Um, so the economic philosopher of uh, Maltus. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the economic philosophies of Maltus is that uh, um, population grows geometrically, um, but our ability to produce doesn't necessarily scale with that. Um, so at the start, when there's a low population, we have an excess. Um, one of our tendencies is to, um, you know, produce more children and more offspring. Um, and in a way, gift giving is a way to share and in our excess without destroying ourselves. Because the the pitfall of having too much excess and too much offspring is that you eventually overgrow yourself. Whether that's inability to feed yourself or through corruption within or um, hyper-capitalism, um, it ends up destroying the system. Um, whereas if gift-giving, we give the excess to others. We share in it, whether or not they need it, but we share in it and are able to, like through homopathy, kind of stabilize our own levels. And I think that's kind of what the minions are, are going they through their gift giving like if they didn't give they would have too much giving like stored up if they just gave to each other it would be too much Mm. and perhaps eventually they would destroy themselves but because they always have like a direction that's why they're always searching for the next villain the next vessel 
mm-hmm. for their energy. Um, they're able to kind of maintain and survive. Um, yeah, uh-huh. because their because their internal economy is so simple, mm-hmm. like we were saying, and so like I don't even know that minions need to eat or anything. So like all that they have is mm-hmm. excess, mm-hmm. and so they have they're they're maybe the but. Battalion economic subjects are excellence. Like yeah. all that they can do is dissipate their wealth of energy. That's mm-hmm. the only thing that minions do. Right, and we we saw. I mean, this is a later minute for our podcast, but mm-hmm. we saw the scene in the ice cavern. The moment at which the minion economy turns in purely on itself, and the minions mm-hmm. are alone with themselves, with no way to give. They become depressed and and despondent, and they lose their their will. To mm-hmm. they yeah. they totally lose their will. So, um, yeah. So it's like just by, like Basai says, this dissipation of energy is actually necessary for the system's continuance. If it without that explosion of of the exuberant energy, the system could could collapse or something like that. It's like mm-hmm. this, yeah. Um, or, so, yeah, yeah. Whatever else minions might be, we know now that they're, for one thing, pure excess. Mm-hmm. Got that? Yeah. I think it's time maybe for us to start moving on to uh, to, to rolling our die. So, um, Bob, if you wouldn't mind fishing that die out from. Um, from the console there. Oh, you is just it, want to do that? Is that the is that the die down I there? Or? I'm sorry. Which I one of you had to take it out of Bob's hand and it fell on the ground? Y'all. And it broke. Let's be okay. Do you mind maybe just maybe piecing it together? You want me to fix it? Yeah, just piece it together really quickly. It has those little clasps that you can. Okay. Yeah, that is convenient, but. It, has clasps, clasps that can help you repair it. Yeah. Okay, well. I'm grateful for this. Bye. All right, hand it to Bob, and, and then... Thank you for your gift. <laughs> okay, well, you can return the gift by rolling the die for us, Bob. Yes, yeah, please do. <laughs> that was a really vigorous roll. <laughs> for those who weren't here, Bob just hurled the die full force against the wall over there, and... It, um, it looks like it's come unclassed. It's, it's come unclassed again, but uh, I can see a number from across the across the room sticking out, and it looks like we rolled an eighty-four. Oh, eighty-four. Eighty-four. So, awesome. let's see uh, what minute uh, exactly that is. Let's see, one twenty-three. 123 or 124? I think 123 is to... Is 84. Oh, okay. Yeah, 123, yeah. I think this might be in the, in the credits. <laughs> okay, well, this will be interesting. All right, here we go. I'm going to play it. I hadn't thought about how we're going to have to analyze the credits. <laughs> Oh, they're laughing. Is that the... Gru's mom. 
Oh yeah, this is Groot's mom. How do you guys know that? It's a secret. <laughs> um, Groot's Groot and Mama's mom. Oh! Oh! His mom came in and saw the... Wow, that was a really interesting minute of, of credits. Um, I really liked how the minions piled up at the end, though. That was kind of fun. It was very fun. Yeah. This will be really exciting to talk about. I'm excited. Thanks again for having me as your guest today. It's good to be able to get that gift to you because then you owe us in return. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think about that. Guess I should get you guys and you guys to start with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you owe us big time now. Yeah, really good dice. I'm just saying. Yeah, I don't even know how you would find a die that was quite as complex and with as many sides as that one. But good, good luck. luck. <laughs> All right. Uh, well. Thanks to all your loyal listeners for the time, and I will see you again in the next time. Bye! Bye.